Our New Testament lesson for this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, the sixth chapter. You can find this on your pew, in your pew Bibles on page 38. Listen again for God's word. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most holy God, we give you thanks for the words in the song sung today, for the promise that we are safe within your arms. We give you thanks for the scripture read this morning, for the invitation to go and rest, and for the example to show compassion. Lord God, we thank you for the amazing compassion that you offer each one of us as individuals and the compassion that you have for all of your world. May our ears be open, may our hearts be open, as we seek in this hour of worship to connect with you. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So this week, we, my family, got a dog. A four-month-old puppy, actually, from the Animal Adoption and Rescue Foundation. Her name is Freya, and she is really cute and really sweet, which really helps because she wakes up really early. Um, But we are in love with her already, and I have pictures, and we'll show you later. Um, My family, we've always pretty much been dog people. Our last dog, Bootsy, died last summer, and so we've had a year in our house with no dog, and it's been a little odd, a little nice, but it was time. 
Uh, we have allergies in my family to cats. It kind of comes through our genes. And so we've never had a cat and therefore consider ourselves dog people. And did you know that there have been studies, because there's studies about everything, but there have been studies about the differences between dog people and cat people. A University of Texas psychology professor found that dog people, see if you can relate to this, dog people out there, tended to be more energetic and outgoing and also tended to follow rules closely. Cat people, on the other hand, (laughs) you don't even know what I'm going to say. They were more introverted, but more open-minded and more open-minded and more sensitive than dog people. And even though it pains me to say, cat people scored higher on intelligence tests (laughs) than dog people. Well, I don't know how much our preferred pet really says about us, but we all have our different character traits, don't we? Character. That's what I'd like to focus on this morning, our character. So we have individual characteristics, and then we are also parts of, or part of groups that also have a character. I am in a group right now, and one of the participants recently was talking about the character of our group, and I thought this was really interesting. He noted that the folks in this particular group were kind, were good listeners, leaving judgment behind, full of grace. And it's true. This group is intentionally a gracious and safe space, a place where folks can share their experience and know they will be heard and not judged. So I thought my friend's description of the character of this particular group was on point. And it got me thinking about other groups that I participate in and what their character is like. One group I considered was my extended family. We just spent a week together at the beach, and the attributes that came to mind were competitive. We all like to be right. It's a Scott family thing. But other characteristics were loving, funny, sarcastic. There's a lot of sarcasm. But also affirming. It's an interesting exercise. I encourage you to try it. Think about a group that you are in, be it work or family or social or friends. What is the character of your group. There are lots of definitions for character and ways that word is used. You can be a character in a movie or in a play. You can have character. It's a part of you. You can be referred to, huh, he is quite a character. What kind of character do you think you are? 
Maybe once you get past tall, dark, and handsome, how would you describe yourself? How do you imagine others describe you, describe your character? Do you consider yourself serious, funny, flexible, kind, courageous, knowledgeable, brave, quiet? It's interesting to consider what makes up your character. And now I'm going to invite you to take a leap with me and think about Jesus. You're not surprised, just as Elise was helping the children come to the answer of Jesus with who is compassionate. How would you describe Jesus' character? When you think about what you know of Jesus, how would you describe him? In our gospel reading, Jesus sees that his disciples are working really hard. His friends who have been with them on this mission, on this ministry, are hard working, maybe even too hard. And Jesus encourages them to rest. He is caring and considerate to those that he knows, to these friends. And then the crowds gather. The Bible says throngs of people. And these are people he doesn't know in the same way as his disciples. And Mark says that Jesus had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd And he began to teach them many things. Jesus is compassionate. That's not all that he is. There is so much more. But I think Jesus' character of compassion is one of the traits that defines him. I hope you consider yourself to be compassionate. Compassionate to yourself first and then to others. And I hope that others would describe you that way. On a good day, I can think that of myself, but it's not necessarily always easy or even natural. It's a daily practice. Would you like for your character descriptions to be more similar to Christ? You have Christ's character descriptions here, and you have yours here. Would you like for them to match up more? Would you like to be more compassionate? We are invited daily to recognize the character of Christ and then ask God to help us be more like Christ. We, as Christians, are followers of Christ That means we're imitators of Christ. We want to be like Christ. And if we ask for Christ's help with a sincere heart, and if we practice surrendering ourselves and seeking after Christ's way, we will take on the Spirit of Christ. I have witnessed this in my own life and in the life of others. We are here, here in worship, in church, because God loves us first 
and has invited us to grow in our faith. Whether we have been attending church for over 50 years or are only just beginning, whether we were baptized as an infant or are being baptized today, we are always on the path to grow. And I hope we never stop growing. And on that note, there is no one-size-fits-all Christian in that same way that there's, we're always growing. There's no arrival point. But we are different, even diverse in some ways. We come from different experiences, traditions, and may, maybe most of all, expectations. Our understandings and interpretations are different, and we do ourselves a disservice when we expect our Christian faith to look like someone else's. Our goal is to imitate Christ, not necessarily someone else. My favorite quote, and my kids have heard this a million times, comes is attributed um, by Theodore Roosevelt, but it says, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. If I compare my life to your life, it is likely that I will be disappointed. I will envy what you have. Or maybe I will feel smug about what I have. Regardless, making comparisons will only make one unhappy. Christ doesn't call us to compare ourselves to other Christians. Christ loves and accepts us just as we are and what we bring to Christ, that mustard seed of faith, and calls us to water and feed and nurture our faith as we imitate Christ, not someone else. That is why I think we come to church, especially on a gorgeous day when there's so many places we can be. We are here. We are growing up in our faith, building our character. We bring our own experience and understanding as we study, as we pray, as we sing, as we serve, as we worship, fellowship, and grow. And at the heart of all, the one who is giving us our marching orders, the one that we want to attune with, who guides our steps, is not the senior pastor, not even the associate pastor. It's not the image of the Christian that we pick up on our news. The guide, the teacher we worship and serve is Jesus Christ. The character we want to emulate, even imitate, is Jesus Christ. And so what does Jesus teach us to do in our text today? Jesus instructed his disciples, rest a while, don't overdo it. Same with us. Pay attention to your life and accept God's grace. Acknowledge your own battles and have compassion, trusting 
that God, who loves you so very dearly, is with you, accept Christ's compassion towards you, and then show and share this compassion in God's world. Catch yourself when you begin to compare. It's such a waste of time. Catch yourself when you start to judge. Remember what Jesus did. He went to the entire crowd, not even knowing them, and he showed compassion. He didn't first do an assessment, no discernment about who was worthy and who wasn't, no consideration to who might return compassion to him, or at least even say thank you. He just showed compassion. We are invited to do the same. We are invited to become more like Christ, and with Christ's help, we will. I have been going to hot yoga the past few months. Probably didn't expect hot yoga to ever be spoken in this pulpit. If you're not familiar, it just means that you're doing yoga in hot and humid conditions and you sweat a lot. I don't know. It's it's the fad. It's the thing right now. But the other day in class, the instructor said, thanks for getting on your mat today and growing in your practice. I started this yoga in December And I am much more comfortable with the moves and the stretches today than I was five months ago. And I believe that is because of practice. Similarly, we are invited to practice our compassion for others and for ourselves. How do we practice this kind of compassion? Well, as I already mentioned, we pray We ask God for help daily. Can't store it up. Can't ask yesterday and expect it to last for two weeks. Daily, God, help me today to be more like you. And beyond that, I think we then do it. Knowing that it might look a little ugly or messy at first because we're not used to it. Sort of like I looked at hot yoga in December. But start with yourself. Show compassion to the parts of your life that need compassion, trusting and knowing that God loves you and is offering that compassion. And then practice compassion with all of God's children. With God's help, you can do it. We can do it. Thank you for finding your pew this morning and growing in your faith. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.